podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Sissoko finally waited. Erickson, low, great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal. On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London. That is absolutely incredible on debut. Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier. Kane, good area for Spurs. Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terra in the Burnley back line, Minson breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run. Here, Minson from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Hello, hello. Here we are again with another episode of Touchline Hotspur, presented by Touchline Media Group. Um, so today, I'll be your host. I'm Sai. We've got with me today, Ohio. How's it going, fella? Uh, I'm not too bad, man. Obviously, Liverpool tier three lockdown. It's a bit, it's a bit peak. Or well, we get, we get gyms back. Well, we get gyms back tomorrow, but I can't go to the gym for a week because my housemate has tested positive for coronavirus. Oh, shit, son. So it's kind of, kind of techy right now. Still, <laughs> he's on lockdown, man. Prison workouts, isn't it? They won't let me out. It's Pete, bro. <laughs> we got Owen with us today. D-Rag as well. Trust me, yeah, D-Rag as well, bro. You know the vibes. How's it going, Owen? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Good, good. Any news this week or? Nah, man. Nah. <laughs> I don't want to follow up. <laughs> Nothing interesting to say, I'm afraid. <laughs> Fair play. And we got Tobes. How's it going? Yo, yo. What's good? What up? No news from me as well, apart from the fact that I'm working my socks off, working like a dog this week. Clients left and right. Yes. Something like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no inquiries from this side. <laughs> <laughs> Last but not least, we have our newest addition. He's been lurking in the, in the group chat. We finally got him to make his debut appearance. Mm-hmm. Something like Gareth Bell. Uh, we got Jack. 
How's it going, mate? What's going on? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, just like Ohio, tier three lockdown up here in Manchester. So, yeah, it's uh, getting a bit cabin feverish, but, you know. one six one. Love Manny. Manny on the map. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even know what the landline the landline number is up here, man. I can't say 0161. Let's find it. <laughs> some some string of digits. Not Nothing important though. 01, this is a shithole one. Oh wow. Quickly <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on. These <laughs> might walk around with swords, you know. Don't let them find you, cuz. <laughs> so uh this this has been quite a jam-packed week. Um lots to talk about. Um, we're coming off two games now. Uh, as of recording, we've just finished uh, playing Lask, Austrian side. Uh, game finished 3-0 to Tottenham Hotspur, which is a relief. Um, speaking of threes, uh, earlier in the week, we played West Ham. Coming off of our podcast with uh, Dan Wallace from West Ham Fan TV, uh, the game finished 3-3. Uh, so action-packed game to say the least, sparked a lot, a lot of conversation over the week. Um, so who'd like to kick us off with that? Uh, yeah, Toes, yeah, go for it. I'm waiting on you lot to... <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, want to speak about it. I'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll do a quick little review of the game. Um, I think I was quite happy to see Bergwijn getting a start. I thought, you know, just... He he need he needs to try and get back going to where he was previously. I think he had he had it was a mixed mixed performance from Bergwijn, better than recent, but not nothing over a six at best. I think um, lost the ball a couple of times, did take a couple of people on, um, got busy, got stuck in. I think because I, I I wasn't really sure what he was like defensively previously, but I think defensively he stepped up a bit, not quite in the the Lucas Moore or Lamella way, but. If he's taking tips off them defensively, it can't be a bad thing necessarily. Um, one three hundred and fifty pound off Kane and Son assisting each other in the first eight minutes and screwing my house down. That was amazing. <laughs> um, and Dom Cold Tongi, he just we um, we backed him and he's it's like he heard us backing him the whole time. Like he's he's moving wavy, man. Just I'm sure I'm sure others are going to wax lyrical about it, but we've we've been knowing what he's about, and it's it's nice to see him stepping up. I think he, I think he got something like eight ball recoveries, same amount of same, same amount of tackles as Hobier. You know that was that was genuinely really pleasant to see. Um, and I'm I think I'm going to stop on positives. Yeah, I'm going to stop on the positives right there. It was a tale of two halves. Uh, we 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 definitely flew out the gate um, pretty early. Second half, though, I know, Jack, I know you've been waiting for this one. Oh, <laughs> I mean, normally, if, when you take, if you're three and a what, taking your foot off the gas would be, in the, in the long run, the right thing to do. But with our defence, with our individual errors that we make, you can, we, we have to be five and a up to actually be somewhat, somewhat comfortable. Because, oh, man, that, I complain about our centre-backs, right, all the time. And they are shit. All of them. But that wasn't... Okay, Sanchez is at fault for the second goal. But I'll say individual errors from from Winks, from um, uh, from Sissoko, for not even challenging for that ball as well. I think um, it's all a mentality thing. It was all a mentality thing at the end of the day. And if you eradicate that weakness in in that team, it would mentally... 
we would have been we would have been comfortable in that game. We would have been comfortable defensively. We don't have any leaders at the in our back line at all. Um, and I think that defensive organisation has to come at least from one you know proper organising centre back, top centre back. He would be able to do that for us. But again, no one was leading us. You know, Kane having to run sprint back to you know make a block in the end of the first half just said it all. You know that you know, it's that separation between the mentally strong players and the fragile ones. It's funny you say no leaders at the back because one of the bigger missions from, from our side in the last couple of games has been Eric Dyer, who, for all intents and purposes, has, has been pretty solid all season. I know he has his detractors, but one of the things I did say going into the season was the fact that moving forward, I would prefer us to have Sanchez and Dyer at the back as our first partnership because I don't really see Toby as a leader. Um, and this is a long-standing opinion that I've had from the times where Vertonghen was at the back with him. You could often hear Vertonghen commanding that back line, either commanding Rose to pull his finger out or directing Toby or even just covering for him in moments where maybe maybe he's been a bit too aggressive or his man has spun him or whatever. Um, and we definitely miss we definitely miss that. You can tell Dyer is a respected part of the dressing room. I don't know how, how you guys feel about that, but that is one of the observations that I've had. We've looked a lot worse at the back without Dyer in the team. Yeah, I, I don't rate Dyer, but after seeing Sanchez and Toby of late, I think he probably is by default our best centre back. And um, again, there was one moment I think with Toby, he's got no, he doesn't trust his physique anymore. There, there was a moment where the ball was played in the channels to Antonio. And um, it was played a bit ahead of him. Uh, Toby should you know, should have gone for it. He was the favourite to get to that, but he decided to back away because he didn't. He didn't trust himself. He didn't. He doesn't trust his body anymore. And I think you know, sad to say, it's, it's the end of Toby. To be honest, yeah, he is. <clears throat> he is declining. It's it's clear to see. I think he has the most composure in our backline by a country mile. Like when it comes to pinging a pass and just calmness on the ball, he has that. But like. Jack says um, his agility has completely gone from 70% to 0%. And I think in 1v1 situations, he is, honestly to God, the worst defender we have in our team. Like any, if there's any defender I don't want isolated 1v1 in our back line now, it's him because it's a myth. And I also feel like as well, aerially, he's never been good aerially. He always loses out in aerial in aerial battles. And I do think, like Jack said, I don't rate Eric Dyer, but I do think to combat um West to, to combat the issues that we had with West Ham swinging them balls and into the air, um, I think he would have helped with that. But I'm not gonna use that as our sole excuse for um dropping those points because I think collectively there was a lot that several players could have done to prevent all three goals. I think even beyond Eric Dyer, even beyond Alderweireld, who I actually thought played well. I thought he, I actually thought he played well against West Ham. I, I don't think he put a foot wrong, but I just feel collectively, Winks, Mora, um, Sissoko, Sanchez, uh, a few others, like just stupid things in 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 high pressure situations, and it's just and it's cost us um, three points from what should have been a routine a routine um, win home. So I don't know, man. I don't know. We can look at the the, the centre-back pairing. It is an issue. We know it's an issue. But I do think beyond that, there were just some players in our team that just switched off. 
completely switched off. Who? So you've you mentioned quite a few players there. Um, I think coming off coming off the third goal, especially Winks got absolutely flamed on the timeline and pretty much everywhere else. Uh, would you say that comes down to a lack of a lack of composure or mentality, or is it just rotten luck in a moment where brilliance offsets a bad piece of play? I think it's I think it's the brilliance offsets a bad piece of play because. I think people are going way over the top with the criticism of Harry Winks. Like, they're like, oh, Winks, I never want to see him at the club again. I'm like, bruv, like, yes, he should really and truly just boot that ball into Rose Z, but he's got there ahead of the first man. If he doesn't nick that ball ahead of the first man, he's the one that's going to get the ball and lump it back into the box or have an attempt on goal. So he's got there past the first man. And I'm sorry, there is nothing, absolutely nothing anyone can do about that that Lanzini goal, that is an absolute screamer. He's got a one in a million shot of scoring that and he's hit it. So like for me, the third goal, I'm not even looking at Harry Winks for the third goal, but the third goal, I'm looking at Aurier. Yeah. Giving away a free kick that leads up to the goal. And even that free kick, it was a soft free kick, but just don't give it away. Don't give it away. There's no pressure. You don't even need to touch the man. You don't need to touch the man. Like let him do whatever he wants to the ball. There's seconds left on the clock. And yet he gives away a cheap free kick in a vulnerable position and leads to a goal. I think, like, looking back on it as well and how the ball kind of came across to Wings, like, it was almost a far cry to say he would have actually been able to clear it because he was stretching for the ball anyway. Like, I had to look back on this, like, three, four times just to kind of come to that conclusion. Um, He's obviously tried to touch it down, got unlucky and... Like you said, Toby, I think Aurier's mistake was worse. I, I didn't think it was a free kick, but that touch, which uh, led to that kind of conversation with Snodgrass, I believe it was, where he was under no pressure and he just had that heavy touch. Like, he should never have even been losing the ball there in the first place, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a tough one. It's a tough one to quantify because we see so frequently, especially in this team, um, in those late moments there always seems to be a free kick and again people will attribute that to mistakes being made and so on and so forth but I do think given the flow of a lot of these games the opposition is always going to be a lot more aggressive so the margin for error shrinks tenfold so for me it was it was a different difficult one to to watch because you you sort of you don't want to give players a blind in those situations where they have been quite comfortable within the course of the game. Um, but yeah, it, it's there's a fine line between a lack of composure and just the way football goes sometimes. So I, I personally just, just had a bit of a laugh when that Lanzini goal came in because if there's ever a moment where I've sort of had to accept uh, the idea of us being a little bit spursy, that's definitely one of them. Um, it wasn't all negative though. Um, I think as, as Ohio touched on, Kane and Son, um, what more can we say about them? I mean, somebody take us through what the expectations for these guys is over this course of the season because they are playing at the highest level at the minute. I think if they can if they can maintain the way they're going, I think they're going to take who who's top spot of the of the assist duo. Is it is it Drogba and Lampard? Someone correct me. Is it Drogba and Lampard? I don't know if it's Drogba and Lampard of like, thir- like late 30s, early 30s. 36, I think they have. 36. I, I genuinely believe 
like you know not it's not it's not a trophy or anything but I feel like them two can have that this season I'm not gonna lie to be honest the way they're going they could have that before Christmas but you know let's not let's not count our chickens before they hatch I think Son you know Tobes especially I think you've been involved in a couple like is Son world class debates and I think he's getting very very close to that no longer be in a conversation. You know, it's always been, he's, he, he usually has those patches where he just goes missing a little bit or he just gets into those positions a bit less and he seems a bit, um, a little bit ineffective. But in his defence, a lot of the team was ineffective last year. And I just, there's just something I'm watching them that just leads me to believe it's not just a hot streak. It's like, it's like when I watch Calvert-Lewin nowadays. At the beginning, I was like, oh, maybe he's just cooking for now. But now I'm like, no, nah, like, I think this is what this guy is actually on. Like, he may, he might have three, four games where he's, he's not going to score. But I feel like when I look at Calvert-Lewin, I'm like, OK, I think you're now hitting the level that, you know, people have been backing you to hit. And I think it's the same with Son. Like, we're seeing a level of consistency that we've been asking for. Because when Kane's been out, like, he has stepped up, whether it be through the middle or through the left. Um, and I think it, I think we've touched on it in a previous uh, pod. Again, the... The, the positives of Bale being about, some of them are very tangible that you can read, you can see key performance indicators and stuff. But I genuinely think Bale's presence, not in a competition way for Kane and, and um, Son, because they play different positions to Bale, generally speaking. But I do generally think having the extra quality of Bale in training is just giving them just a bit more of a bit more of an oomph to show what they're about. Because if, if I was Kane and Son, I'd be like, OK, look, while you've been gone, we've been the big dogs here. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah, you were the guy, but we're the guys here. So we sort of need to remind everyone, you might have the number nine shirt, but this is who we are. This is what we're on. So again, there's no real way to measure that unless they come out and say it themselves. But I do think the bail signing has just given them that extra, extra senzu bean to just keep going forwards. You know what I, mean? I think, I think with Sonny as well, um, I think the, the real test the real test, even beyond the fact that he's putting away all these chances, is the real test is when we hit like the Christmas period or Jan or whatnot. Like, because we associate Sun as a quality player, and like Ohio said, he's always been on the cusp of that world class bracket, but he's never broken into it because he can be streaky. And I think this is the season where even beyond scoring the goals, can you, when the going gets tough and our team's not really playing well, you're not maybe getting the chances that you're getting or the openings, can you still deliver a positive performance over the course of 90 minutes? Because when I look at someone like Sadio Mane and, and even, even um, Mohamed Salah, even when they're not scoring or assisting, they're, they're killing the opposition. They're having top, top games. And Sonny, we've seen that even when, even in games where he doesn't score an assist, he has the ability, he has the ability to kill teams and we've seen him do it. But what I want him to do this season is eradicate that streakiness he has in his game. And second of all, I want him to make sure he hits that goal, t- that target, just to stamp that sort of world-class status. Because if you look at his um, expected goals and whatnot, he's always outperformed his expected goals because that's who he is. He's someone who can make a, a, a turn a half chance into a goal. But even beyond the whole uh, outperforming your expected goals, can you maintain that sort of game-to-game consistency? If he can do that this season and he can keep scoring the way he's scoring, without a doubt, we'll be talking about a world-class player at the end of the season. And I think with Harry Kane, we know the proof is in the pudding, man. Like We don't even need to, to wax lyrical about him. Everyone knows. If you don't know about Harry Kane right now, you're just playing yourself because we knew it. 
we knew it. We watch him week in, week out. We know he, this is what he can do. And I think this is the first season, hopefully, if he stays fit in a long time, where we can actually say, rah, this guy's coming for the PFA this year. Like, he's hungry. And I think a lot of sides in the Premier League should really be worried about the, the way this guy's playing. Because if he stays fit, the way he's playing now, I can't see anyone else beating him for that PFA, that PFA award. In terms of in terms of areas of uh, Sun's game that uh, sort of separate him from maybe the upper echelon players in his sort of position, and for me, those players would be obviously you've mentioned Salah, you've mentioned Mane. I'd add Sterling to that list as well in terms yeah, of world class players who can just decide a game. Um, for me, it's decision making. Um, Sun will always get you goals. Some will always chip in with assists. But for me, those decisive actions is what changes a player from streaky to world-class and decisive. Um, there's so many moments over the course of a season where the difference between a misplaced pass or releasing a ball early or taking a shot first time, these are things that can decide whether or not Sun hits those, those heights um, that we all hope that he does. And I mean, the glimpses so far this season have, have, have been bright. So I am looking forward to it. Um, in terms of world class, obviously Bale made his made his re debut uh, for us. He played about twenty minutes, was it? Came on about seventy minutes. Um, how did we rate his performance? Um, Bale, yeah, um, yeah. He, um, I thought he's still looking a bit. Looking a bit rough, he's, his match sharpness isn't fully really there yet, but he has shown glimpses of quality when the ball's at his feet. I think releasing really his um, ability to just hit that, you know, play those three balls in first time, um, the contribution to the own goal as well. I think those glimpses of quality are there, and um, we, we knew he was going to do that anyway. Um, we, knew, we know once he, the ball's at his feet in a good position, he's always going to produce something. And yeah, once he gets his match sharpness, uh, you know. Um, Oh, I can't wait to see all that really pretty much but um, yeah looking a bit rusty physically but in time give it a few more games I think like Harry Kane I think just give him give him a few games to warm up and there's a you know big fixture pile up coming in in the next month so hopefully he'll be ready by then as the biggest detractor of of, of this bell return Owen how how did how are you feeling about him? Um, and his performances so far. Obviously, this will transition nicely into the last game um, now that we have a bit bigger of a sample size. Yeah, I mean, watching him through the first half of tonight's game, he actually looked really sharp, I've got to say. Um, if our final ball was better to him, he would have been able to do more, I'm sure. But from what I was kind of thinking, he wouldn't be able to kind of bring to to the table he's kind of showed that already like his dribbling looks really sharp his acceleration looks decent his touch is still getting there but I mean it's all good signs so far and he kind of tailed off in the second half because he just needs the minutes right now but yeah I've I've got to say I've really underestimated just how just how happy him being at Spurs has actually G'd him up to play as well as he is at the moment so, yeah, I actually have um, quite a lot of faith now he's going to kick on and be a mainstay starter 
and complete this um, mouth-watering front three, which we're going to look to get soon, hopefully. Totally, totally. Um, in With relation to the front three, three <laughs> today we saw uh, Vinicius for the first time. Um, so our starting lineup had quite quite a few changes. Um, pretty much the whole back four was sort of shuffled a bit. Um, we had Ben Davis, captain in the side at centre-back. The return of Doherty at right-back. Um, midfield was Winks and Hoybier. And then we had uh, Bale, Lamella, Mora and Vinicius. Um, so quite quite an attack inside, as you would as you would expect in the Europa League. Um, how how do we rate this performance? It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a strange game to gauge because of the fact that obviously a lot of changes made, lower opposition. Um, but what stood out for us today? Uh, Lamella still doesn't know how to pass in the fight. Like I, I just don't understand it. Like he, his tenacity in winning the ball back in the final third, genuinely might be the best in the Premier League. Like, like legit, that he might be the best at it in the Prem. But there was that. There was two massive. I think there was one occasion in the first half where he's like dribbled from, I think, the back end of the middle third, got to the beginning of the final third, and he had like Bale, Vinicius, Reggion, and someone else. Just the, And he just he just looked like he just didn't know what to do. And I, I just didn't get it. And then he managed to win a free kick like 10 seconds later, fair play. But then there was another time where he, he just doesn't know how to release the ball when he needs. The one time he did, Bale forced the own goal. But I think he did it against, and I, he just keeps doing it, and I, I just don't get why. That that's that's that on Lamella Tobes. I see, you, I see you shaking your head, B. What are you saying, mate? I don't know how he's got kids. <laughs> how has the man got kids? <laughs> this guy does not know how to release to save his life. If he got release a ball, he how's he releasing them bits down below, man? He can't release to save his life. It's ridiculous. He had so many options today, and he's just finding the wrong pass every single time. He'll either find the wrong pass or he'll stay on it too long and get dispossessed. I don't understand it because what's weird is he's actually meant to be a bit creative. He played centrally on the right for Roma and we've seen him create chances in the Spurs side as well. So where the hell is his decision-making gone? I, <laughs> I don't understand it. And I said it in the summer as well, we should have flogged him. I'm still saying it now, we should have flogged him. But you know what? If you're gonna, if 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 Mourinho's gonna make you the seventh choice attacker, and you're gonna play minutes against, I, I don't even know where this team are from. I, I don't know where Austria, they're from. Austria, if that's the case, if that's the role, <laughs> then fine, I'll I'll accept that. But I just, just watching him makes me want to bang my head against the wall. When it, it's ridiculous. So you're saying you're not you're not renewing his contract after no, the season? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> hell to the no, man. Hell to the no to that testimonial as well. <laughs> hey, he's our longest-serving player right now, ain't he? I swear. Is he? Yeah. He is, yeah. yeah. Danny, Rose, Danny Rose is still in the cards, but <laughs> it's not. So I know you're a big. I know you're a big uh, detractor of Lamella, Jack. Um, do you think his time is up, or do you think he's still he's, got some legs? He's been there a few years too long now. I just. <laughs> I think that for which there should be like a drinking game for every ball roll he does in the match because I'll get waved, boy. Honestly, I love him. This yeah. guy, I do like his. He's, listen, there there are elements of him which, and I see why Jose picks him in games. But 
ability wise, he just he doesn't look he doesn't look up. It's like he it's like his foot is his head is just planted to the ground twenty four seven. This guy does not look up. And that's why he doesn't release. He just rolls the ball constantly. And if he holds the ball for longer than two seconds, that's it. We we're not the ball's dealt to the opposition. That's it. The very rare occasion where he actually lets it go, you know, we still keep the ball, we still retain the ball. Otherwise, that's I don't know. He just <laughs> from moment one, I think there was a game, there was a North London Derby when he lost one nil uh, at the Emirates on his was it his debut or his first start? It was in his, he came on as a sub. I remember yeah. Giroud scored, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And um, he came on. I was like, we're all excited. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what? We might have to. You know, we got we got to play here. You might do something. And then. I'd see like six ball rolls in the first minute and I was like, yeah, yeah, this way, we ain't getting back in this game. And he's it, not changed <laughs> since. He's still the same player. It was so frustrating because last, uh, quite a poor side and we, it was quite nice that we didn't struggle against our Austrian team. But um, yeah, it was nice to see. Um, that, that, do you know, I think Jose slightly copying um, Liverpool and Klopp a little bit because we saw just how attacking our fullbacks were. And Regulon and Doherty were both fantastic tonight, I thought. And we had uh, Winks and Hoybier covering those spaces every time they did bomb forward. Um, obviously, Winks had a, quite a bit of hate in the first half. And um, it was somewhat unjust. Like I guess on the ball, he was a little bit scarce at first because I felt like he was trying to overcompensate for being... Um, criticised for being poor physically and we saw him kind of covering Regulon spaces and committing a few fouls early on and I think he I thought he improved in the second half and Carlos Vinicius really impressed me tonight to be honest like constantly a presence he got the two assists and he, he looks just really dynamic and skillful as well like that bit of play even just those interchanged positions for Lucas's goal that he just drifted out to the left. Nice little touch, nice little ball through to Lucas. 1-0, he was a presence for the own goal. Yeah, plenty of positive signs all round, even though we could have scored a lot more without Lamella on the pitch because the spaces which were popping up in the second half mm. and we would just be on the transition and there'd be like two, three people just outright through on goal. Like it wasn't even like, oh, he could could be through on goal with the right pass. No, we were clean through. Yeah. And uh, do you know what? As well as Lamella as well, I thought Delhi was really poor in his cameo. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was um, there was a time he stole the ball off La Celso as well and then lost the ball in a half. There was a cutback option where if he played it first time, there was three people open for a cutback. Um, yeah, I think overall that, that was um, the most disappointing performance as well as Lamella's for me. I think um, with Harry Winks, uh, I like, Jack will know that, I, I, I like sticking up for Harry, but like, I think the first half, the first half, I didn't think he played that well, to be honest. And I do think that his fouls, that's in his game. Like, I see Harry Winks give away a stupid cheap foul, like pretty much every every couple of games I watch him, like, and they're blatant fouls and he'll start yelling to the referee as if they're not fouls. Like, bro, you just hacked him out. It's a foul. <laughs> and then, um, but I don't really want to get onto him. I thought like his passing could have been a bit better, but like, I mean, we're playing last. He had, overall, he had an okay game. So I don't think tonight is the game for people to sort of like 
jump on Harry Winks's sort of neck. Um, but I wanted to zero in on mm. Vinicius, man. And I, and, and I said it when we signed him and I'm saying it now. Like, it's so refreshing to have a dynamic forward who can actually look like he can carry a goal for it and can lay off chances for other people as well. Just like you said, him peeling off onto the left channel and finding that pass, man, like, that's brilliant. Him, the knockdown for, for Sonny for the third goal. So Mourinho's got his type of strike in the sense that he can play with his back to goal. But I think from a fan point of view, we've got our type of strike in the sense that he's got pace, he's got decent feet, he can work the channels and he can actually shoot at goal. So I know he had a bad miss with a header tonight, but two assists, I think there's plenty more sort of stat padding for him to come Um or from him to come in the in the Europa League, man. I'm happy that we signed him. It was a good it was a good performance. It definitely um gave gave everyone a bit of uh something to look forward to. Um which somewhat leads me into into sort of reflecting on maybe the past a bit. Um the West Ham result obviously was a bit of pill to swallow for everybody and it sparked quite a few animated conversations in our group chat. Um, related to the term and the phrase bottling. Um, so I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but one of the surefire ways to get me a bit rattled is to say that Spurs are bottle jobs. Um, and obviously I'm, I, I tend to be quite balanced in my opinions a lot of the time. Um, but when I do get aggro, I get aggro. So um, there were a few a few back and forths. Um and I guess what we sort of have a responsibility to do is to define what, what is bottling. Um, me personally, I, I feel like it's contextual, um, but if someone can loosely tell me what their, what their opinion on it is, then we can, we can rock from there. When, when you're in a good position and you let it go, it's as simple as that. No matter whether it's your league position or whether it's in the game, if you're, in the, if you're favourite to win the game and you don't win it, you've bottled it. It's as simple as that for me. Or if you're already like, if you're already miles ahead in the game and there's, I don't know, I, I don't, I can't even put a timestamp. I don't know, eight minutes maybe. <laughs> I think but, it could be, we've done said so that the intentions, so it depends on what your goals are before mm-hmm. the outset of a set game or in terms of what you're aiming for to achieve league position wise. And if you don't achieve it, um, it's the how and if you've ended up in a shortcoming and you haven't hit these achievements in a, in a way where you haven't imposed yourself on those goals then I think that that could be deemed as bottling like, I, think, I think the part that gives Sai the most aggro and Sai correct me if I'm wrong if I'm speaking out of turn is that if we it does for Spurs in the footballing world, it seems not to matter what the context is. People just like throwing at us because it's easy. Like I think there's a lot a lot of teams have done even worse things or similar things, but you we never had tend to it's not a complaint really, because everyone just likes talking about us. Like this is the facts, do you know what I'm saying? But um I do I do I do about oh. Oh. uh-oh. Liverpool Wi-Fi. There's more to working from home than emails. So you need Wi-Fi with reliable speed, the most in-home coverage, and built-in security. You need Xfinity XFi. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. 
At the Home Depot, we improve things. This holiday season, we've improved Black Friday. Instead of one day of crazy, we've lowered prices now, and they'll stay low all season. From decorations to dishwashers, wreaths to ratchet sets. So sleep in. You're not going to miss Black Friday. Not one little bit. Black Friday improved. The best prices of the year already here at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. U.S. only while supplies last. See store for details. I don't know what I don't know what bit I missed up but long story short I think I hate I don't like the way that bottling tends to be used in football just because the same with a lot of football conversations to be honest context just seems to be removed when it suits agendas to be honest mm. but you know we we digress I think I think with the whole bottling thing I hate when um, opposition fans use it as um, a word to this, like the thing is, don't get me wrong. I'll be the first to admit that Spurs, in key moments, we've bottled. Like we're not, we don't bottle every game, but we've bottled our fair share of matches to the point where people do have a, do have some validity in calling us bottle jobs. But what I don't like is when, whenever we lose, whenever we lose, or whenever it's a bad result. Oh, Spurs bottled it. Spurs bottled it. I'm like, people don't. It's like the meaning of the word bottle. Like that doesn't make sense. Like case in point, we lost to Chelsea on penalties in the semi-finals in um, that 18-19 season in the in the League Cup, and people are saying we bottled it. I'm like, wait a minute. We've taken the match to penalties. It's a 50-50 shot. Anyone can win the match. Anyone can lose the match. How can you call that bottling? Like that doesn't make sense to me. Or like a champion, like like you lot said it as well. We discussed the Champions League final. Champions League final playing up against a superior side. I know some players bottled it in terms of their performances, but as a whole, losing that game to me, I can't call that bottling. Like that doesn't for me. That's that 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 just doesn't make sense. But on the flip side, when I look at let's say Spurs playing. A relegated Portsmouth side in 2010 oh, in, the FA, in oh. the FA Cup semi final. That's a bottle. That's aye, bottling aye, 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 it. Aye, aye, aye. Go on, I'll tell me I'm wrong. I'll let you rock with that. <laughs> I knew, I knew, I knew you'd fall into the Venus flytrap on this one. <laughs> <laughs> so Owen, Owen mentioned for me. Well, Owen and Ohio both mentioned key bits. Uh, so for me, it's the how and the context. So. You're fixated on this idea that Portsmouth were a lesser side and they beat us in the season where they got relegated, correct? Mm-hmm. So for me, that's only, a, that's, that's only part of the whole season in, in its entirety. In the six games after that, we beat Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester City to make it to the Champions League for the first time in our history. Yeah. So to call us bottle jobs within the context of all of that is, to me, redundant. It's like... In one instance, within within like the last stretch of the season, yeah, we've lost the game, but we've also won the three biggest games that defined a key moment in our history. So I hear the whole idea that we were bottle jobs at any point during that time gets dispelled when we look at the season as a whole and we say, actually, we exceeded our expectation. Everyone had had us had us finishing fifth or sixth that season, and we managed to break through into the top four. So I feel like it's with Spurs tinted glasses that we look at, we look hypercritically at how we're performing on a game by game basis, and we remove a lot of the wider context or even even the, the the games that follow those type of performances. I get that, but 
I think I think when you when you put it that way, it's still it's an amazing season. Don't get me wrong, but for that specific moment, I think you can have an amazing season, but still have a game where you bottled it. I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. For me, I look at that season. I'm, I, 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 I don't even remember um, the FA Cup more, more times than I'm thinking. When I'm talking about that season, I don't even mention the FA Cup because I look at, like you said, Gareth Bell coming into the team, us beating Chelsea, us beating Arsenal, et cetera, et cetera. Brilliant. Us winning that away to Man City. But ultimately, that's a cup semi-final against a side that we, I think we did beat in the league, we should be beating them. So if you don't beat them, I'm sorry, you bottled it. You bottled it for that I game. Cup, I think cup games, cup games for me are always a bit of an exception. Even in situations, once, once you get to a semi or a, or a final, all, all favouritism almost goes out the window. Realistically, we, we see it all the time. Like the lesser teams will elevate because they feel like that's the only only shot they're going to get or the bigger teams they take the occasion for granted and they fall short of expectations so again within the context of that particular game and that running there was a lot of there was a lot of other things for us to focus on if it would have been nice to win a cup it's always nice to win a trophy but ultimately even those trophies only only really serve to supplement your baseline objectives over the course of the season so if I'm sitting there and I'm being hypercritical, I'm like, yeah, you should always beat teams that are worse than you. But then if I'm being realistic, I'm saying to myself, maybe that maybe that result acted as a catalyst for us to actually push on and destroy Arsenal, destroy Chelsea and beat, beat Manchester City away from home in order to solidify ourselves as a Champions League team. So for me, Absolutely. bottling and even in that situation feels a little bit too harsh for me. All right, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question then, yeah. So, um, let me think of an example. So, Newcastle back in ninety, was it ninety six? Ninety six. Yeah, Newcastle back in ninety six when they had that ridiculous point gap over Man United. Man United came back and won the league. Do you? Would you say that that was Newcastle bottling the league? Absolutely. Even though they were amazing, would you say that Newcastle were bottling the league? And let me. And that's one example. Leicester last season, yeah, Leicester were clear. They were third. They were, everyone had already sort of said, yep, Champions League rubber stamp. They finished, they were, I think they were like more than 10 points clear. They finished the season fifth. Would you call that bottling? And then my final example, Tottenham now. 2012, 2013 season, we beat Arsenal at home and we are 10 points clear. We're 10 points clear of Arsenal with, I don't know, maybe like eight or nine games to go. And we somehow finished below Arsenal. Uh, a weakened Arsenal side might I add as well. So would you call all of the... If you can't call these scenarios bottling, what do you call them? That's They're not all bottling. New, Newcastle, yes. Leicester, no. Because again, removing... If we're, if we're adding... If we're paying respect to the actual context, COVID hit, came back from the restart, and then their form petered out. But they're almost like, petering out before COVID, though. Yeah, but it petered out in an exponentially yeah. worse fashion mm. post COVID. So again, I've got to give them a little bit of a blight. I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to scrutinise them because I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Leicester. But it is what it is. You got to be, you got to be reasonable. And in terms of um, us finishing below Arsenal, I, again, that, that, that for me was always a mental block for us until we did it, and we haven't really looked back since. So. Again, 
So you can be as far ahead as you want, but you still got to play all of your games in it. And over over the course of a league season, I feel like uh, whether you get off to a hot start or you finish strong, you do have to pay respect to the fact that until the season's done, it's it's, it's a toss up where you finish. You yeah, got but, you got to finish your dinner every single game. So I think it's, it's like, difficult to even call that a bottle job. I think it's right, unfortunate. I'm going to chuck one more spanner into it and I'm going to open the floor for everyone else. So that season when we finished fifth, it followed a season previously, literally the season before that, where we were in the exact same position. Third, 10 points clear of Arsenal. We were 12 and, points clear. 12 points clear of Arsenal yeah. with an even weaker Arsenal squad. An even weaker Arsenal squad. And we finished behind them. So this is what I'm trying to say. Like, if you're not going to call it bottling, what do you call it? 2006 as well. Mm-hmm. Gate. Gate. But even Lasagna Gate, I wouldn't call bottling. I would say, I think that's just unfortunate. But 2011-2012, what do you call that if you don't call it bottling? I think for me, like, because but, but again, bottling is very hard, like contextually, like in, in golf, like they call it the yips. But again, golf is, is completely different. It's one on one and they put it down to like, you know, psychologically, your body just doing something completely involuntary in your your golf game. I think with football, for me, like it's when it's when you genuinely cannot handle the pressure, like you're in a position where it is genuinely in your hands. And I'm sorry, like if you're if you're 10, 12 points clear, with a, with an amount of games where it is a hundred percent in your hands, and if I, I just I just think for me, if you let the pressure get to you that much, then you have bottled it. Do you know what I'm saying? And Sai, going back to your point with um with the FA Cup loss potentially acting as catalyst, I think the two can be the same. I think we can say we bottled the semi final, um, and I think you can. I think that there's there were definitely some. You know, I agree where you said you know some higher level players are going to get complacent, lower level players are going to try and step up more, but it's going to be on the higher level players to step up when it counts. And if they let the pressure get to them and they think, oh, uh, Kevin Prince Boateng is giving me a tough time today. You, you, you're, for me, that's, that's boring. Yeah. Like, yes, did, we, did we turn it around and, 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 and finish as high as, as we possibly could? Absolutely. But I think you can say you bottled that semi, but then also did well afterwards. Do you know what I'm saying? Because in, in the situation, like we had a semi-final to win and we didn't, that we probably should have. No, while on junior side, Owen, I know you want to say something. You're smirking over here. Oh, I just saw um, Sai potentially getting distracted there because I knew he wanted to chime in, but he couldn't. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, to offer some a little bit more context as well, I think I guess um, a lot of our shortcomings when it comes to bottlers, like I don't think we bottled. Um, I'd say either the 15, 16 or 16, 17 league seasons. However, I do think we've had a lot of shortcomings in terms of bottling and not imposing ourselves in high stake cup or knockout games. Like there's been quite, I mean, I don't know how many semi-finals it's been now since we've won for the FA Cup, but there's a fair few. Um, Knockout game against Ajax, it was a little bit different because we just were not expected to do it. Whereas um, against Liverpool, they just didn't turn up. I'd say we bowled that. There's been semi-finals against Chelsea and Man United, especially when we took the lead against United. 
I felt like we bottled that and especially Portsmouth as well. And like Ohio said, I think you can call it bottling, but if you're looking at it over a course of a season and it does have that acts as a catalyst for you to do better, we'll be at the same, but let's um, try not bowl the next semi-final and then it happens again. So yeah, like uh, I don't know. I'm still mostly on the fence with this, but I've got to say I'm probably leaning towards us being bottlers in the sense where we have had so many shortcomings in these high state cup games. Definitely. That's what I'm thinking as well. Sorry, go on, Jack. No, no, I agree. I think um, when you let John Attacker and Freddie, Frederick Peaky on get to you, <laughs> so. But um, yeah, again, contextually. You know, obviously, rival fans are going to use it whenever. Again, the Leicester, Chelsea seasons when we didn't win the league, we were never on top. You can't bottle something where you know you're never in the pole position for it anyway. Yeah. Um, I think mm. Liverpool. Some Liverpool fans will always say that they didn't bottle the 13-14 season because they, they were never in in the running. You know, before the season started to even you know, barely barely for even top four, let alone winning the title. But obviously, how many points were they, they above were City? Like. I can't remember. Like with two games left, mm. yeah, that's bottling. That is bottling. It doesn't matter what position, what you were in, or what your expectations were before the season starts. It's what position you put yourself in at that time, at that period, at that moment, mm-hmm. and you choke. At the end of the day, you know the term choking is there, and that's what we've done on plenty of occasions. I think tactically, when Son was left wing back, that was that. You yeah, say brilliantly that game though. Yeah. We were we were really mm. good in that game. They just scored co- everything that they hit, but it cost oh, us they- as well with the penalty and yeah, at the end of the day. So you know, it's small little things like that. Yep. On that game as well, it's funny you mentioned that because Sai, you, you say we played well, we did play well, but you know what the difference was between us and Chelsea? Conte didn't show Pochettino his full. What's the word I'm looking for? He didn't show Pochettino his hand. Like he still had weapons on the bench. And I felt Pochettino shoehorned Sonny into that team. He didn't need to do that. He could have left Son on the bench, played your 3 4 3. When the game's at 2 2, then you bring him on. And then you try and see if you can crack you can crack Chelsea down some more. But no, we didn't do that. And instead, we ended up bringing on Kyle Walker on the bench and playing him left wing back or something like yeah, that. There, there, were, there were injury issues going into that game. I, I remember going, going to, that, to that game. Um, and on the way there, I saw Son as left wing back and I was a bit confused. I thought we were going to play three at the back, but we didn't. Um, so yeah, it's, it's one of those things for me. Like, I, again, context is key. And even even in those moments, I, I guess I'm just adverse to the, to the phrase, if you will. Um, I think it has to be taken on a game by game basis because we've seen over the course of history that football can be quite cruel. You can't really you can't really provision for certain things that might happen over the course of a game uh, or how momentum might shift. So I don't think it's indicative of any, any, any fibre within our DNA that we've fallen short at the last hurdle because in order to get to the last hurdle, you've got to get over some hurdles anyway. So if, if we were constantly getting knocked out of knockouts of Champions League or first rounds of Cups, then I'd understand. But once you get to the, once you get to the later stages, someone's got to lose, isn't it? And someone's going to be disappointed. I think we channel a lot of our disappointment into trying to rationalise it. We call ourselves Spursy and all of that bollocks. 
Um, but yeah, this conversation will definitely come up again this season. Um, <laughs> I hope in a positive way to say that we're not bottling it because, yeah. Just, just very quickly before we move on from bottling, would you man say that Barca are now Champions League bottlers because they went to Roma, slapped, they went to yes. Amsterdam, 100%. Yes. 1,000. 100%. 100%. We saw the Neymar remontada. Well, actually, no, that was years ago. So it was PSG that bought that one even. There's just bottles yeah, everywhere. It just only seems to be us that people talk about when it happens. But you can also ask the same about Pep in the Champions League. Yeah, against Leon, He's bottled it. Ham, for Man City, he's bottled it every year. Every Monaco, single year. Monaco one as well. Was... Ridiculous. The, Sp- the Spurs one was... The, the Spurs one was brilliant to be at, but... It, from his perspective at home to not go through when the, the Harry Kane team with no Harry Kane the Harry Kane team <laughs> man it's, 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 it's that that is what you call A grade Pierre de la Resistance or whatever it's called that is chef's kiss bottling what Spanish beer can we attribute to him I'm on the alcohol free Copperbergs today so I'm um, a bit wavy with the bottles <laughs> Given, given, given the current pandemic, just give him a corona, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. But even, like, even with Bayern when they played Atletico the previous before he joined City, I think yeah, mm. it's just Griezmann and Inshallah that one, and they yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah, that was that that was really good from Griezmann though. But I, just the last word on this though, um, I think it's really funny when opposition fans call us bottle jobs. But the one thing Sai said in our chat, which is true, is that when we when we when we've come a long way to sort of shed that image, that doesn't get spoke about enough. Like people will talk about the fact that oh Spurs, they never went away at Chelsea, blah, blah, blah. But when we did win it, when we did win away at Chelsea, we won 3 1, you weren't talking about it. People will talk about oh Spurs, ah, this, this, that, and the other, Europe, this, this, that. But when we go to when we get all the way to the Champions League final, oh, they're lucky. Oh, it's this, that, and the other. I think if you're going to call us bottle jobs, at least give us some sort of credit when we sort of exceed your expectations in these pressure cooker situations. And I, I don't think we get that love whenever we sort of surpass people's people's expectations. They they hate us because we're doping at this. That simple. Bro. <laughs> uh, going into the weekend, we have uh, Crystal Palace. Is it? Is it Chris? I thought it was Burnley. Burnley, sorry. My my, my mind is scrambled now. Uh, we have Burnley this weekend. Um, what are our predictions for this game? Obviously, coming off the back of West Ham and then Lask. Um, how do we see us shaping up? And what are our score predictions for the game? Are we at home or away, by the way? Away. 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 Smaller pitch. Um, I think it'd be it'd be quite tight, purely because uh, is Eric Dier back for this game as well? I'm not sure. Because if <laughs> if he's not back, I, what I will say, if he's not back, I I don't feel comfortable at all because obviously we will probably try and impose ourselves, and then they'll probably beat our press with their long balls, their big physical strikers, and I I can't imagine. Davinson, even though I feel like Sanchez has had like a bit too much criticism, I don't think he'll be able to cope very well with um, their strikers, nor will Toby. I can't imagine him gambling on playing Joe Roden. So in that sense, it could be a tight one, especially with their set pieces as well, because we still 
technically haven't really addressed it yet. So that'll be interesting to see how we cope with that. Um, if I was to go for an early school prediction, I'll just say it might even be a score draw. Nah, we're going to win that. Um, I'm, I know I was confident against West Ham and we got egg in our face, but like, like Mourinho said, I don't think you're going to see us go 3-0 up um, with eight minutes to go and not win the game um, again, at least certainly not for a long time. I think Burnley are there for the taking. I think in the previous in the previous two seasons, we've gone there and um, they bashed us up physically and they've literally taken the game to us. I think this time we're much more prepared. We've got a full complement of players with the exception of, I think, with Dyer and, and Tanganga. And I know they are going to have that physical threat, but I just think with our play, with our ballers on the pitch, I don't think... I don't think um, they're going to be able to handle us. Um, I think this is the first time in three seasons we've got a properly fit Harry Kane playing at that ground. And the last time we had a fit Harry Kane playing at that ground, we slapped them 3-0. So um, well, I say 100% fit anyway. So I'm not worried about this match. I think a clean sheet will be too much to ask for. So I think the game will end 2-1 or 3-1 to us. But I'm confident we're going to get that result. I haven't won the game. This season, have they? They have not. They've not been in a good run, and um, we've got much more quality as well this season than we did the last season. So um, there should be a massive improvement in performance at the very least, and with their form as well, we should be we should be winning this game three one. But again, Doctor Tottenham, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> it's always there. It's always there. And with Sanchez, with all our centre backs. At, Right now, I can't say I'm confident we'll, we'll keep a clean sheet, but we should be winning this game three one with our attacking quality on the pitch. We we have the quality players to actually get move that ball forward, break this team down. Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna go with. Also, I got about the boys. I'm gonna say two one. I would love a two 0 but I genuinely think that um, Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes will be a little bit too much for for Davinson and. Uh, Potentially Toby, if I think I think I think Eric would be able to handle one or the other, uh, but I do think if someone partners Eric, he's going to be in a bit of trouble, annoyingly. But you know, on a positive side, we we haven't spoken much about Hugo this season, um, and I think not on a taken for granted vibe. I think because he was arguably our best player since restart. I think it's just a good thing he's just kept it consistent to the point we don't feel like we need to talk about it now. Do you know what I mean? Like before lockdown, he mm. was looking, looking a bit slippy to the point where post-lockdown we were like, oh yeah, he's doing great. Whereas like, well, that's the guy we bought in the first place. Do you know what I mean? And now he looks like he's maintained that level. So I think that does us a bit of a favour even with shaky centre-backs. I think I might slap, I'm going to try and slap a 10 on return the favour again between Sonny and Kane. Uh, so yeah, I'll go, I'll go 2-1 for the boys. I'm I'm confident. Um, they've not won a game as as Jack pointed out. They've lost three. They have a negative five uh, goal difference. They're not scoring against us. They're not as 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 much as I'd like to. I'd like to like put. A Don't clip that up. in the edit, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-match thoughts aside, they ain't scoring. They ain't scoring. <laughs> I, I'll I put my hat on that one. Um, nice. Knowing knowing, I say we'll score in the first six minutes now, but. Um, no, for me, for me, we do we do have a lot more quality than we have had in the past. Um, our squad depth is very impressive, 
um, to have Kane and Son and Bergwijn or any combination of our uh, front players is going to be an advantage for us. And I think in these type of games, we're going to see this new um, this new style and this new setup that we've we've been playing with, with the extra width on both sides of the pitch uh, provided by the fullbacks. I think we'll be able to break them down a lot a lot quicker than we have in the past. Um, we've also got Bell to come off the bench if needed. So maybe we'll see a 30-yarder uh, that we've all been clamouring for. So I do expect us to win 2 or 3-0, to be perfectly honest. Um, if it's anything else, so be it. As long as we win, I'm, I'm, I'm cool because we need to start racking up these points yeah. ASAP. Um, so, yeah. Does anyone else have anything else to add? Um, I think in Dombele's coming back for revenge season, because this was the very same ground where Jamie Carragher's infamous criticism, Mourinho hanging him out to dry. And yes, he was shit. He was shit that game, I know, defensively and whatnot. But I just felt that like that game was like sort of possibly the turning point. And now to have him rested today, knowing that he's going to start that game, I think it's, it's revenge season. And I think against that weary sort of Burnley midfield, he's coming for blood. So... With LaCelso on the bench as well, I'm oh so confident that we're going to get three points. I'm so, so confident. Yeah, totally. Uh, and Dombele in these in these times of, type of games is going to be vital for us. It's a player that can carry the ball as well as break the lines. Um, we've been missing that for a long time and we finally got it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping he sprints. So we can dispel all of that bullshit. <laughs> Hella sprints. Definitely. Hella sprints. <laughs> this is a game for Hubia as well. I want to see that physical battle in that midfield. I want to see him clap people. Hoybia <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the barbarian today with the with the head wrap and all of that. <laughs> a big gash on his eye and all oh, of that. That Terry Butcher. That was, that was mad, you know. Man megged him and carried on jogging. And when he kicked the ball out, I was like, oh, he's got... and he just had blood spurting at his eye and he can't. Oh boy, that's Mourinho's warrior, bro. Yeah, that's a progressive midfielder, man. Trust me. <laughs> until until he makes a couple of mistakes or starts passing sideways, and Jack Jack is going to be back. <laughs> yeah, this this guy looks to pass the ball forward. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, when we spoke when we first spoke about Hobia, Jack was quite positive about him, even in absence of the fact that like he wasn't sort of like I don't know like a party or whatever, but. He's he's getting much better, man. Every time I watch him, I'm I'm smiling because I'm seeing this guy literally boss things in our midfield, and we've needed that for a long, long time. And I'm happy to be proven wrong about him. Very happy. Mm. You don't need a sensational name in that in that position. You just need to be a cog in a world machine, and that's what he is, pretty much. Yeah, he's he's definitely giving me um, early Wanyama vibes in terms of just slotting in. No real assimilation period, bar bar the first couple of games where he looked a bit below the pace. But he's he's slotted in and he gives gives freedom to the rest of the boys. So as Jack said, that's that's pretty much all you need is that cog in the hub and just keep it moving. Let everybody else do all the fancy shit. So, oh, yeah, I think that's I think that's all for this week. Um, obviously, we'll we'll be on the socials and. Make sure everyone join the Discord. I know it's been been slightly neglected by some of us, me me in particular, um, but we are looking to get 
better with all of that side of things as well. So do join the Discord, uh, keep the conversation going, and we'll see you guys soon. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Sports Social Podcast Network.